Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. In Luke 17, Jesus is heading for the last time to Jerusalem and meeting people along the way. It is always fun and always interesting when I preach on a passage that was important and teaching during uh, my youth when I was a wee tot in church, and this one was uh, always in the children's books and in the Sunday school lessons to teach us that we need to be grateful and we need to be thankful, and we shall look at that, but it's always good to see the various ways that these miracles and passages can be taught to various ages. When we look at this, and Jesus is Going, it says in other passages that he set his face like a flint to Jerusalem. He knew he was going for the last time. He was going to be a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And along the way, he encounters people who need his healing, who need his power. Now, back when I was in seminary, we would look at that and we would say, well, how often does this happen? And we would come up with what is called a survey. A survey is taking a topic or a principle of Scripture and finding all the places that it occurs. And so what does the Bible or the New Testament say about Jesus being a healer? In Matthew 4.23, it says he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing Every disease and every affliction among the people, when you look at that, you go, okay, he healed some people. No, he healed every disease and every affliction among the people. It also says, so his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all sick, those affected with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Later in Matthew, in that evening, they brought to him all who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And he went ashore And he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and healed their sick. And great crowds came with him, bringing them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and put them at his feet, and he healed them. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And as Jesus is going to Jerusalem... He does clean out the temple when he's there, and even when he's in Jerusalem during the last week of his life. 
It says in Matthew 21, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And then in Luke, but now every more, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. So if you were asked the question, Jesus a healer? The answer is absolutely yes. Several, two or three, uh, Roman historians that wrote during the time of Jesus and afterwards said that there was this strange occurrence that happened in the Jordan Valley. They would travel on the Roman roads, finding out things, being reporters, and they could find no sick people. For a period of about four years, they would look, and there would be nobody uh, paralyzed on a mat. There would be nobody walking down the street, a crazy person, demon-possessed. There would be nobody sick. And it is believed from what we read in the Bible and what we read in Roman history that for a period of about three and a half years, there was no disease. Disease was eradicated from the Jordan Valley and the Jerusalem-Galilee area. And when we look at that, we say, wow, we say, that's amazing. You know, Jesus is great. And this is one of those um, miracles of healing that Jesus did. He was walking from the, uh, the Galilee area down through Samaria. It says that he's between Galilee and Samaria. And... <clears throat> It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. So if you're looking at a map, that's probably the right-hand side of the Sea of Galilee and the right-hand side of the Jordan River. He's probably taken that trip and then cutting across to Jerusalem. And he enters a village. The village does not have a name, but the village is near Samaria because one of the players is a Samaritan. And it says, as he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Okay? Ten lepers, a group. And they actually shout at Jesus, and they shout as one. Now, when you think of leprosy, leprosy is one of those things that appears in the Bible, and we don't really have a knowledge of it today. But if you look back in even Leviticus and you look back in Deuteronomy, uh, le uh, leprosy was considered so contagious that if you had it, you had to stay away from other people. Now, you say, well, can I catch it? Chances are not. They've done tests and a guy by the name of Hansen in the 1800s uh, figured out that it was a bacteria. First time a bacteria was discovered to, consider, to cause a disease. Okay, and he proved it. Probably got a Nobel Prize or something for it. And because of that, he was able to test human susceptibility. Can you catch this? Can you catch this bacteria? And he found that just with no medication or vaccine, 95 to 97% of all people in the world are immune to leprosy, which is now called Hansen's disease. But back then, 
it was a scary thing because it was thought that if you just looked at a person with leprosy, you would catch it, and it was very disfiguring. It caused dryness in the skin so that the skin became scaly and flaky. Uh, it was nerve damage, so blood was not making its way to the extremities, so many lepers would, would lose toes and would lose fingers. And so the rule back in Leviticus and Deuteronomy is that you had to stay at a distance. If it was um, a calm day, the, the rule was six feet. They had to stay six feet away from you, and you may think, huh, six feet sounds familiar. Uh, the government has said that if you have COVID, you have to stay six feet from one another. I have a secret. The government did no testing. The government looked at history and said, it seems to be common to keep diseases six feet away from you. As far back as 3,500 years ago, they were saying diseased people stay six feet away from you. So it's a common practice to have diseased people stay six feet away from you. And the CDC just said, we'll use that too. And so a mystique, if you will, grew around the lepers amongst the Pharisee class and stuff like that. The, the lepers had to eat, and if you saw a leper in the marketplace, then the Pharisees wouldn't go to that seller for at least a week because of the danger, because they thought, well, I can catch, uh, I can catch leprosy from an egg. Okay? But you cannot catch leprosy from an egg. It is a bacteria that has to be put upon you somehow. And so there, there isn't a great contagiousness of the leprosy today, but back then there was a fear. And so if you had leprosy, if you started having this skin, turn, skin turns white, then you would look in Leviticus and it would say, uh, go to the priest. Your priests were your uh, center for disease control back in the time of the Bible. And so the priest would look at your skin and would do a test and put you isolated. And if the skin got worse over a period of time, then you were put away and you were put in what is called leper colonies where you lived separately in your own little village, away from the town. Today, as people have gone, missionaries mostly, to the outskirts of India, they found that there are still leper colonies in India, that it is not those places that do not have the medical care. If you get leprosy, then you will be put outside the city and you will live with other lepers because they figure, well, if you've got leprosy, you can't catch it, so you got with other lepers. And they would have food thrown at them or delivered from a distance, but they eked out a miserable minor existence, probably had the same clothes for their whole life when they were determined to be leprous, so they were ratty, they were ragtag, they were unkempt, they didn't have the amenities that the people in the town had. And so as Jesus is coming through this village, and he may have been 
uh, coming to spend the night or something of this nature. We do not know why he was in this village. The people who are living on the outskirts in the leper colony, ten of them, see Jesus and they say, lifting up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And you say, that's interesting. But if you are a student of the New Testament, you will think it's strange that these people are calling Jesus Master because it's the only time in the New Testament where non-disciples are calling Jesus Master. Now, the disciples call Jesus Master all the time. But this is the only time non-disciples or even unsaved people at this stage are calling Jesus Master. And you, you wonder, well, how did they know? Well, all the verses we looked at, that everywhere Jesus went, He was healing people and He was casting out demons. And since there is nothing else to do except gossip back then, they would talk about it, and people would go from village to village, and people who had been healed would show their healing, would explain what happened to them. And they, they, the fame of Jesus spread, and even though he hadn't been here before, probably, the lepers heard stories. They would kind of sneak in and sneak in to hear things in the synagogue, and they would hear things about Jesus, and Jesus became, for these, their only hope. They were falling apart physically, and Jesus became their only hope. And so they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus saw them some distance away and said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And you say, that's a strange thing for Jesus to say. But if you know your Old Testament, you know that the only way they can be considered clean and able to rejoin society is for a priest to examine them. And the examination takes eight days. So you come, you say, I was leprous, I am now healed. And the priest says, oh yeah? And he begins to test you and examine you and to get the wisdom of God into the examination. He will do sacrifices and he will spread blood and do things like this to understand what had happened. People who write about this say this is ironic because Jesus is forcing the priests who are against him and who want to kill him, he's forcing them to validate one of his miracles. Aha, uh -huh, that's thinking. And so he's sending them. Now, remember, they're up by Samaria, so it probably took a couple days for them to get down near Jerusalem. They looked ratty. Their clothes were ratty. But they were healed, for it says, as they went they were cleansed. So Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. And they say, okay. And they begin to go walking away from Jesus. And as they go, some distance away, they are all instantly healed. 
completely of their leprosy. Now, not only was the bacteria eradicated, but all the damage of the bacteria, the skin problems, the missing digits, all that was healed. Their skin became whole and perfect. They were fully restored. Any nerve damage, any eye damage was all fixed. And they were 100% perfectly healed and healthy in every possible way. And people who look at Jesus being a trickster, Jesus using smoke and mirrors, say, this is a tough one. This is a tough one because there's 10 people at great distance moving, okay? And they are healed as they move away from Jesus. Now, Jesus has healed uh, a child at a distance. He has healed a man at a distance. This is the first time he has healed 10 at once from a distance while they're moving away from him. And that's a tough one. If you take the Bible literally as we should, that's a pretty amazing miracle. That is not something to sneeze at, as they say. That is something to go... Wow, that's the power of God that they are, I don't know, 150, 175 feet away. And Jesus said, go to the priest. And they say, okay. And they begin walking and they're healed. Jesus did not say, be healed. Jesus did not say, be gone. Jesus didn't say, put hands on them. Jesus didn't do anything except go show yourselves to the priest and the power of God in Jesus heal them of the leprosy. So they're walking along, and they're all healed. And I'm sure they felt something. You, you were stiff, and you were in pain, and you're no longer stiff, and you're no longer in pain, at least. And they looked at their hands, and their hands are whole. And I'm sure that at that point, they were happy, okay? A happy person. Now, nine of them are thinking... Wow, we can run faster to Jerusalem because their goal is to get pronounced well so they could go back home to their wife, to their children, to their work, and they can get their life back. That is what the priest is going to pronounce on them is that you can have your life back. But one of them said, wait a minute. And he's healed, and so he turns around, because they're walking away from Jesus. He turns around and runs up to Jesus. And he does three things. He does three things in this return to Jesus. First, he prays God in a loud voice. Now, I'm sure all ten were praising God. They, they clearly saw that this was the hand of God somehow, that it was... God doing the healing. They had never uh, heard of medical advancements that cure leprosy. The only being that can fix them is God. So I'm sure all ten of them were praising God and praising God loudly, but one of them turns around and starts praising God toward Jesus starts praising God in Jesus' direction. Secondly, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and worshipped him. Now you can look throughout the Bible 
you will find the only being who can be worshipped legally without it being a sin is God. It says in, throughout the Old Testament that God does not share his glory. When John in Revelation saw a big mighty angel, John bowed down in front of the angel and the angel said, don't do that. You only worship God. So the teaching is, and I'm sure the leper knew this, you only worship God. Therefore, if he is worshiping Jesus Christ, he has a sense, he has a feeling, he has an understanding that there is divinity in the person of Jesus Christ. And lastly, he thanked Jesus. He saw that the healing came from him, not from God in the clouds, not some random throwing of power, but actually came through the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, wanting to be teaching, gives some rhetorical questions. And this is the teaching that I would have as a child that they would give me. It says, we're not ten clean, cleansed, where are the nine? Now, the guy doesn't say, oh, there, they don't care. But, you know, you, you can speculate where the nine are. The nine probably saw the blessing as something that was now theirs, and they were going to use it. And the idea is the nine who did not turn around only saw what was happening to them, only saw a blessing that was put on them. They saw everything that God was doing from their point of view through their eyes. This other one, this tenth one, said, Jesus did it. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to thank him. He turned the blessing into a time of praise and worship. Now, if we look at the world today, God is blessing all the time. If God took his hand off the world, it would cease to exist. It would just break up into its atoms, okay? And we wouldn't know about anything anymore. But God is blessing not only in holding things together, but giving people intellect to invent things, giving people strength to work, giving people structure to have families, giving people uh, tamping sin down so that we don't all kill each other all the time. We can actually go outside with relative safety. And all these things, and people have gone through the Bible and listed the thousands of things that God is doing on a daily basis to allow us to live as people in a community and to work and to do the things we do. And most people will take that and say, wow, look what I did. Most people will look at it and say, look how great I am. Look what I am able to do. And it is the few 
who believe in Jesus Christ who are able to recognize that they are blessings of God and that we turn them around and we praise God and we thank God. And the difference between those nine and this one comes when Jesus said, and he said to him, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. Now, English translations don't always get the depth of what's being said. There are three basic words for healing. There's a miraculous healing, what Jesus did to the ten. There is a medical healing. And then there is a soul healing. The healing of your soul is zozo, S-O-Z-O. Okay? When you look at the Greek, if you want to look at the Greek, the word for well is zozo. So what Jesus is saying, your faith has healed your soul. In other words, your sins are forgiven. In other words, you are saved. Nine of these people saw what they could do with this healing, saw what it meant to them. And a few of them probably thought they deserved it that they had lived such a good, righteous life that God better have healed them, and God did. We do not know what's in their minds, but we can look at people today and kind of say human nature never changes. So of the ten, you probably had a variety, but everybody had a selfish view of the healing. This one said, no, they didn't deserve it. It's an act of mercy. Jesus did what God can do, and therefore this person is saved. Now it says something interesting uh, up in 15, 14, that he was a Samaritan. Now Samaritans were outcasts. Jesus is doing this miracle, and this miracle is in the Bible to show us that the person who the Jews have rejected as unsavable, okay? That was a Jewish view of a Samaritan, unsavable. They are the ones, the Samaritan is the one who had the faith and the understanding to be saved. And so Jesus is saying the priests don't get it, Pharisees don't get it, the general population that follows them don't get it, But anybody, Samaritan or Jew or anybody, who has the true faith and the true understanding will gain salvation. And we will see this one in heaven. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this miracle. I pray that you would cause us to be grateful, thankful people. As we go through life and experience your blessings, I pray that you would show us all that you are doing for us and cause us to turn them back to you in praise. Lord, we thank you for all these things and ask your blessing on the remainder of the day. We ask this through the blood of Christ. Amen.
Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.